You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Our new journey is A.D., Anno Domini, uh, B.C., before Christ, and then A.D., that's how we split history, and Jesus is the one who has split history, and I love it. And for these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about things that Jesus has split for you and me, and then he's going to invite you to walk through what he's already split. We're going to see that today. God splits things, but you have to walk through them, and a lot has been split for you. But you have the privilege now of joining God to walk through what he has split wide open for you to experience in your life. And um, I'm going to go into detail a little bit later on our journey into how we got a calendar that split into B.C. and A.D. That happened around the 6th century. Um, A monk named Dionysius decided he wanted to redo the Easter calendar, and that's where A.D. or Anno Domini or the year of our Lord is what it translates into, became a part of our calendaring system. And so I want to talk about that as we move down the road. But I do think it's amazing that the history of earth includes the name of Christ. I mentioned this here before, and if you've been through launch, you've seen it in our launch journey. But it struck me being at the British Museum in London, looking at the Rosetta Stone, um, not not the, the app that you have on your phone that's helping you learn a new language, but the actual Rosetta Stone, which is in room four, I think, in the British Museum. And most of you know what the Rosetta Stone is. It's one of the most important artifacts in human history, especially in linguistics. It was, um, it was a decree written by some people in a temple in Memphis, um, Egypt, when a certain king came into power, and they were saying, we support this king and his new rule. And it's written in hieroglyphics on the top. It's written in demotic, not demonic. Someone asked me that after the earlier gathering. Demotic, which was the common language of the people. And it's written in ancient Greek. So same decree, three different languages. And for a long, long time, hieroglyphics could not be deciphered. But when the Rosetta Stone was discovered, all of a sudden you could go from the Greek, a language people knew, into the demotic and then into the hieroglyphics. And so anyway, that's why this is an important piece of our story. But I I was struck as these people from all over the world, you could hear people speaking different languages from different cultures, from different backgrounds. You would imagine different religions, different faith uh, approaches, all gathered around, everybody looking at this and reading the little card there to the right. And as I begin to zoom in on the card, I'm like, I'm standing in the center of culture, in the center of history, in the center of intelligence, looking at one of the most important artifacts in our history, and on that little card to the right, I think if we could just zoom in, I love down at the bottom that this little fragment uh, was a decree recorded on 27 of March, 196 BC. And when I'm standing in the British Museum looking at something that is placed in history according to the birth of Christ. 
I almost wanted to start preaching right there in the British Museum. <laughs> you see that BC right there? I know that BC. That BC is before Christ. You know who Christ is? He's the Messiah, Jesus Christ, born in Nazareth, born of God through a woman so that we could all have salvation. And I'm telling you, that's translation, people, because how do you translate the meaning of life? How do we know what life's really all about? What about the hieroglyphics of who we are and how we got here and where we came from? Well, it's all, you know, and I, I didn't start preaching, but I wanted to, but I was amazed to think that Christ split history and he splits our history and, and we'll get into the specifics of how AD and BC got into the story but it's way more significant for us today to think about the fact that when Christ arrived on planet earth he changed the eternal destiny of the human race and he split the veil between deity and the dust. This is what we're celebrating on this journey to Christmas. We're celebrating the incarnation, God becoming man. If you're amazed, could you just raise your hand? I know I didn't get any amens on that. Okay, that's, I was hoping for that. Because this is unbelievable, what we're celebrating today. And the story is really powerful. When you think about being Mary, when you receive the message of what God is doing to split open the veil between deity and the dust. It says in Luke's gospel, chapter one, in verse 26, in the sixth month, God sent an angel, the, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, can we just pause really quick? How many of you would love to have Gabriel come to your house today and say, hi, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Wouldn't you just go high five? I mean, yes, thank you. But apparently it didn't go down that way because Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, what kind of greeting this might be. So in other words, we already see the heavenly invading the earthly. We, we already see this glimpse of glory now coming into humanity because the next line says the angel said to her, as we've said before, what angels always say when they arrive on planet earth, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This verse just takes my breath away. 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. In other words, the fact that the Spirit of the Most High is going to overshadow you and conceive immaculately God inside a virgin's womb, don't think that that's impossible because nothing's impossible with God. Even Elizabeth, where everything looks impossible, is already in the process of having a miracle of God in her life. And so at this, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. The incarnation is such a stunning miracle. And up until this moment, we've seen God in history, but he's always been in history among man as God among men. In the Garden of Eden, God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, but it was God in human history. On the mountain, he met with Moses and hid him in the cleft of a rock as his glory and in the backside of his glory passed by, but it was God in human history. At the tent of meeting, the cloud would descend, the presence of God visible would descend, but it was God in human history. But all of a sudden now, everything is changing, and it's not God in human history, it's God becoming humanity in history. It's God splitting the veil so that the eternal can step into the finite, the heavenly into the earthly, the divine into the dust. We're looking forward from this point of view in Luke, but we're looking backward when we go to Philippians 2. Your attitude, verse 5, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, if you want to know why he did all this, and became obedient to death even death on a cross. It's God splitting the veil through the incarnation of Jesus Christ and then inviting you today to walk through what he has split, to walk through the incarnation into what it means for your life right now, today, and every day that you are on this planet. It's just like God splitting the Red Sea and making a way for the children of Israel to escape onto their journey to the promised land. God split the sea, but he didn't make the people walk through it. He split the way, but they had to step into it. They got into the wilderness and they came to a place, it says, um, in Exodus called Horeb. And when they were at Horeb, 
they were thirsty and they began to complain and grumble and say, why did God bring us all the way out here into the desert um, so that we would just die of thirst here in the desert? They forgot, oh, you're the one who splits things. So I don't know, maybe you could split something here as well. And as they're complaining, Moses is like, Lord, I don't know what to do with these people. I just honestly do not know how to help them anymore. Somewhat like a few of you felt about your kids already today. I I don't know what to do with these people. And so he's saying, Lord, what do I do? He said, go out with the elders, take the same staff that you held up that split the sea and touch the rock. And when you touch the rock, I will move. And Moses does. He touches the rock and God splits the rock and waters flow out and all the people are refreshed because God splits things. But when he splits them, what he's saying today is I'm inviting you to walk into what I have already split so that we don't stand on the sideline and go, where is God? What is God doing? We go, oh, God is splitting something. That's what God does. And I want to walk into what God has done. Psalm 78 says it this way. They forgot what he had done, the wonderful works he had shown them. He worked wonders in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. He split the sea and brought them across. The water stood firm like a wall. He led them with a cloud by day and with a fiery light throughout the night. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as abundant as the depths. He brought streams out of the stone and he made water flow down like rivers. God has always been in the business of splitting things. And at Christmas, we're talking about the miracle of God splitting humanity's curtain the veil, if you will, so that the divine could step into the dust. So what I want to ask today is what does it look like for me? What does it look like for you if we walk through the miracle of the incarnation? The first thing would happen to us is we would realize and live like God has made the first and greatest move in our lives. In other words, what we're celebrating today is not us trying to figure out how to make a move toward God, but we're celebrating that God has already made the greatest move that's ever going to be made toward us. Some of you are waiting for somebody to call, for somebody to decide, for somebody to make a choice, for somebody to make a decision, for somebody to step in, and that's great, and I hope it goes well, and I know God has a plan, but the greatest decision about your life has already been made, and it was when Jesus tore that veil and stepped out of divinity and into the dust. And this is the beauty that that we celebrate today. All of culture is trying to figure out how to get through that veil from dust into divinity. Your neighbors, your coworkers, what are they looking for? A higher power. What are they looking for? Spiritual meaning. What are they looking for? How to, to get onto the frequency of the universal meaning, somehow to get elevated from the things that we see and touch and feel. They're all looking for a path of meditation or some other doorway that can crack open so that they can get through the veil from the dust into the divine. And the story of Christmas is we don't crack the veil. It's already been split in two by the Son of God when he came from divinity and with divinity and stepped into the dust. John 1, 14 says it like this. It'll come on the screen. I already think told you a few weeks ago, but I don't have John uh, chapter 1 
in my Bible, and it's not because I'm trying to edit God's word. It's just simply that it, it just went around uh, the, the Earth for six months on the International Space Station with uh, astronaut Kimbrough, and NASA hasn't sent it back to me yet. So uh, as soon as they do, <clears throat> I will tape it back in my Bible. It's a story for another day. Um, but so John 1, 14, talking about Jesus, the eternal one, the word Jesus. This is the the Word of God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as you see this in the context above. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Okay, I'll just back up again. I'll try that line again. The Word, Jesus, the eternal Word of God, the, the Word that we see in verse 1 was from the beginning, was God in the beginning, was with God in the beginning. That Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Amen. Okay, let's just be that church. Let's just go ahead and decide we're going to be that church. If somebody tells us through the Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that God who was the Word from the beginning took on human flesh and dwelled among us, we're just going to go, uh-huh, amen, amen. Wow, incredible. That's good news. And moreover, and this is John, an eyewitness saying, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We've seen it, John said. We're not talking about theory. We're not talking about theological ideas. We've seen it. Jesus Christ, God, the Word, eternal, standing in front of us with flesh and blood. Another translation says, and the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that good? Shelly and I, I've told you this before, but I love it. Shelly and I were at NASCAR a few years ago at the pinnacle of NASCAR. And we were at the Talladega race. And we had been asked to be a part of chapel. So a friend of ours was leading worship. And I had like nine minutes to do a little message before these guys are going to go a million miles an hour around this track. And um, so we're, we're in the infield. We're in the, where the driver meeting happens. And some of the team owners are there. Drivers are there. And, you know, it's, it's a tough environment. If you've ever done an, a nine-minute message, like right before someone sings the national anthem in a stadium or right before people hear start your engines, it's just people are not ready for a sermon typically. And you've got to get a lot in in a very short amount of time and hope that somebody's paying attention, even though the most important thing they've prepared to do in their life they're about to do. And so I'm like, I don't know. So I'm preaching about this, this verse. I'm preaching John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And I said in some translations, saying the word became flesh and moved in the neighborhood, still nothing. I said, it's like God got an RV and pulled it into the infield at Talladega Motor Speedway. And everybody's like, that's crazy. See, God wasn't waiting for you to move into his neighborhood. He just went ahead and moved into your neighborhood. And he left a little gift, gift basket on the porch. Hi, eternal word, moved in the neighborhood. I'm full of grace and full of truth. So if you need grace, I'm your neighbor. And if you need to be set free, I'm the truth. Just moved into the neighborhood. 
was in heaven am eternal have always been but just moved into the neighborhood and so many people are trying to figure out could i ever get in god's neighborhood he's like i'm already in your neighborhood i ripped the veil between the divine and the dust i've already made the first and greatest move in your life there will not be a day for someone who sees this in revelation in our life on planet earth where we say that was amazing but boy today was even incredible more incredible than that not going to happen. This is the first and greatest move. So I'm not saying you've peaked. I'm just saying that you have an incredible perspective to face every single moment of your life, to walk through the split veil of incarnation. The second thing that would happen to us if we walk through what God has already split is that we would understand that God has the ability to invade the seemingly mundane with heavenly purpose. In other words, there are no average occupations in here, no ordinary days, no regular people, no, oh, that's a throwaway event. There's no, well, you know, that, that's going to be a, a, a one-off. No, there, there is no such thing as that. There are no insignificant people in this room. There's nobody who's off heaven's radar. There's nobody in this room that God isn't planning to invade what you think is mundane with heavenly purpose. Mary was a teenager minding her own business in love with a dude. And God said, the shepherds, they're just trying to stay warm on the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. And the sky split in a choir sang. And God said, you'll be the first one to see what I have done. So don't let anyone sell you regular. You, 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 my occupation doesn't really count in the, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, there, there's nothing on earth that God can't invade with heavenly purpose. The third thing incarnation does is it allows us to know that God gets it. Has anybody in this gathering said sometime in the last few weeks or months or maybe even today, nobody, nobody gets it? What I'm going through right now, nobody gets it. What I've had to experience, nobody gets it. What we're dealing with, nobody gets it. N nobody understands. No one can relate. Nobody's ever been in my shoes before. Nobody, nobody sees me. Nobody understands me. I'm just out here, you know, trying to process all this stuff, but nobody gets it. And it may be true that the people around you don't get it. The people around Jesus certainly didn't get it, but he got it. And whatever you're walking through, he gets it. We're talking about someone who ripped the veil between the divinity and the dust, who stepped down from a throne to a manger, somebody who knows what it means to be frustrated and to deal with people who don't get it and to be um, abandoned and forsaken and betrayed and hurt and wounded and killed and left for dead. He gets it. And so our story changes. 
Our story from this moment on, because he split open a veil called incarnation, our story from this moment on is, you know, a lot of people don't understand what I'm going through, but praise God, my king understands what I'm going through, and I'm closed the saga that says nobody gets me, because the final word of that chapter was called incarnation. And that book is over, and there's a new book, and the new book is God Gets It. The veil has been split. He understands exactly what I feel and exactly what I'm going through. And honestly, the only person who ever lived on the face of earth who could say nobody's ever walked in my shoes is Jesus. He is the only one in humanity who could say nobody's ever walked in my shoes. All of us get to say, Jesus has walked in my shoes. And he gets it. It's a changing dynamic that changes life. The fourth way walking through incarnation changes our life is it it allows us to live with that, that confident faith that God is near. That God is near. See, our circumstances are not screaming necessarily today, God is near. And your circumstances might not even be tipping a hat towards God is here. For you, it may be God is not near, and I don't even know if he's here, and I I don't even know if he's in the mix at all. But I want you to know that Christmas is reminding us that God is near. And it's reminding us that if you can't see God working, it doesn't mean he's not closer than you think. The greatest miracle of God is to put the Son of God in the virgin womb of Mary. So invisible that an angel had to come to her house to explain to her what was happening. And then Jesus arrives. The moment that that conception happens, Jesus is on earth. He says, you'll be with child, not you'll be with something. You'll be with a child. So Jesus' first nine months on earth He's in the womb. We think he just came from heaven into a manger. He came from heaven into Mary's womb. And for nine months, it's the son of God and the son of man on earth. And nobody even knows what God is doing. And so on the night that Jesus is born, the shepherds have heard. And now they arrive to see the baby who's now born in Bethlehem, but Jesus was in Bethlehem before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was already on the scene the day before God was near. How powerful and beautiful is that? And that veil, when it tore between divinity and dust, it reminded us that God is always on the scene. And then lastly, what incarnation invites us to walk through today is that God desires a friendship with you. You don't have to split the veil between divinity and dust to do a transaction. 
But you do if you want to make a way for there to be a relationship between the holy and between man. And what God is saying as he's splitting open this veil between heaven and earth, as he's entering into humanity as forever the son of God and the son of man, as he's making a decision that I will always be God and man. You understand that in heaven, Jesus is the God-man. He didn't come down for a short period and try on man and then go back to being as he was before that moment. He, he forever entered into the new identity of being God in flesh, the Son of God, the Son of Man, still in heaven with scars in his hands and his side. Eternal, transcendent, all-powerful, but the God-man, Son of God and Son of Man. Why? Because God wanted a relationship with you. God's not looking for religion. He's after a relationship. He's not looking to get you to fill out a form. He's looking to know if you want to become his friend. And so this innocent life, you're like, what is the big deal of the virgin birth? What, what, what's the big stir around the immaculate conception? What, what, why, you know, why die on the hill that the Most High hovered over this virgin girl and God conceived in her a miracle? Because that baby had to be born outside of the thread of human DNA so that that baby could be born spiritually alive so that then Jesus could go to the cross and truly spiritually and physically die. And he did it all because God wants a relationship with you. Christmas is a few days away, and I would imagine if you're not a believer, Christmas is one of those seasons where the Spirit of God is just stirring and working, and it's all around you, and it's so close to you. It's right in front of you. The, the melody of it is in the air, and the electricity of it is almost palpable, and then somehow you pass by again and go, oh, man, that's an amazing story, but I don't know that God. It's an amazing story, but I haven't come to personally step into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, this is your time. This is your moment. This is your season. This is your opportunity to go, the veil has already been split. I'm going to walk through that veil into a friendship with God, into a relationship with God. Because this is AD, people. We are standing in A.D. We are standing in the year of the Lord's favor right now. 
Jesus, when he announced his ministry, you know his words as he he picks up the scroll. It's recorded in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to pr- proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim Jesus' words, the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim Anno Domini, to proclaim AD, to proclaim this is the moment, this is the time, this is your chance to walk through incarnation into a relationship with God. Jesus was born. Today is time for somebody else to be born. Heaven stepped in. Divinity in the dust. Today is the day for dust to say to divinity, step into me. Birth new life in me. Bring me to everlasting life. Bring me into a relationship with Almighty God. I want to be a friend of God. And I want to walk with God, to know God, to live with God, to be in communion with God all the days of my life into eternity. I want to be born again. That's how John said it in in the lines just above what we were reading. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. The words right above that, speaking of Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through Jesus, the world did not recognize Jesus. Maybe you're sitting in this gathering and you're like, that's me. I am in a world that was made by Jesus, but yet I do not recognize Jesus. And he's saying this could be the year of the Lord's favor. Eyes open, revelation sight happens, things click into place. All of a sudden it all adds up and you go, whoa, wait a minute. I'm in the world that was made by Jesus, but now I actually recognize Jesus, the one who stepped through the split veil, divinity now in the dust. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, anybody received him? To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, not believed that he had a name. Oh, I believe that Jesus. No, they believed in his name. They leaned on his name. Messiah, Savior, forgiver, substitute, sacrifice, way, truth, life. They they leaned on his name. This is my name. This is my way. This is my truth. This is my life. To all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human descent or decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. I'll explain more later, but Jesus was born between six and four BC. 
which is a little weird. But if you're the eternal word, <laughs> you can be born before yourself. So Jesus in history, you can Google it, born in history between six and four before Christ was Christ born before Christ. That's in Google. What I would love to see happen and what heaven would love to see happen today is if someone in this place could be born and your story would be, I was born again, 2021 AD, the year of the Lord's favor. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.